You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. as well as Kate Madjuk of DK Nation. We've got a very special guest on today's episode. We are very happy to be joined here on NFL Reacts by Super Bowl champion, NFL MVP, three-time Offensive Player of the Year, and NFL Hall of Famer, Marshall Falk. Marshall, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. How are we doing, everybody? Fantastic. Uh, like we already mentioned, we're very excited to talk to you today. Um, but we do have to mention you're here as a part of San Diego State, your alma mater. The Aztecs have a new stadium that is opening. It looks like it's a fantastic facility. Um how, how is this new facility, how is Snapdragon Stadium, how is that going to impact the culture and, and impact the uh, the program moving forward there at San Diego State? Yeah, there's a couple of perspectives you have to look at. I think, for one, um, as a player, the recruiting element, having a new stadium, having a place that you can call your own, a uh, place that, that you can build that camaraderie. Uh, shared, I mean, we shared a, a, a stadium with the Chargers for a long time and now getting the stadium, it allows us to be uh, the focal point of San Diego and, and, and being that focal point, um, bringing the fans in a lot of the fans who are a little upset the fact that the Chargers left, they still get football on a Saturday and they get to watch a program like San Diego State and watch us be very competitive and win a lot of games. And then, um, when you look at just the aesthetics of, of, of uh, having this type of stadium in the city of San Diego, the city is already, already attractive. It's going to allow a lot more um, outside entertainment to come in. And it's, it's really going to continue to build up the city that we are. Yeah. A uh, hundred seasons of, of football for San Diego yeah. state is crazy. Like that, that's a <laughs> remarkable achievement and milestone for a, a football program and your alma mater. I want to ask you about, this NFL offseason and a lot has been made about how crazy it's been. And I think there, there is truth to it being one of the absolute craziest NFL offseasons that we've ever seen. Big name players getting moved all over the league teams, loading up on superstar talent and, and franchise quarterbacks, even changing teams, which is something you just don't see in the NFL. Like, can you think of another offseason where you've seen this amount of movement, this amount of teams just loading up on superstar players? No, it, it hasn't happened in a while. And if, if you realize kind of, you know, the way the CBA and, and, and the way a lot of general managers started to do their job was built through the draft, built through the draft. And it's a copycat league, not just on the field, but off the field too. Most of the general managers that are in this league, they were brought up underneath other general managers and taught how to do the business. And you hire them because their lineages was with the team that won. So you get a lot of the same things on teams. But what Les Snead has done is he really shook it up. The hell with young players, early draft picks. We're going to bring, we're going to go get a Matthew Stafford. Oh, hold on, wait. Matthew Stafford had won a playoff game. Jared Goff took you to the Super Bowl. Who cares? Oh, in the middle of the season, we're going to bring in the Odell Beckham. We're going to bring in it's, – it's just unbelievable what they did. And what you see is the trend now with everybody, with everybody. Hey, we got to do this a little different. It's not just about draft picks. Maybe we get some star players. Let's mix it up. Let's pick up, pick some, pick up some guys in, in free agency. And I'm going to tell you the team that, that really – you know, Buffalo really set out. Buffalo saying we're all in. Like they just pushed all of their chips in. Like, hey, we want Von Miller. We're going to make this. We're going to do this. And um, I think I think what Les Snead has created and what they did, 
Let's say the Rams sustain their ability to win and they can continue to do this. Don't get hurt by the cap and win a lot of football games, win another Super Bowl. You're going to see an influx of teams starting to do exactly this. And the off seasons are going to be just as fun as this off season was for us. We got a lot to talk about. It's absolutely really fun to be in the media at this time because <laughs> there really is no shortage of conversation and even like the speculation uh, is fun because you know nothing's off the table at this point. So it's just uh, created a really fun environment to work in. You noted all of these changes, sort of in the way that teams are, you know, becoming contenders, winning championships. Uh, but the league is changing in a ton of other different ways, uh, including the leverage that we've seen players have in, you know, their negotiating power and choosing their next team and their next destination, even while they're still under contract. Uh, how would you describe that shift in sort of the power dynamic between player and, and league and GM since you retired back in 2007? Yeah, I- I'm going to say that some players have that leverage. If you play quarterback and you, you're playing well, you have a lot of leverage. If you're a Russell Wilson, you're like, hey, Seattle, you're going <laughs> a different direction. I want to win. If you're an Aaron Rodgers, you're like, I, I know what you guys I know what you guys normally do. A guy like Devontae Adams, you normally get rid of him. If you want me here by myself, you got to pay me more money. You got to give me more power. A lot of guys are moving around. The Deshaun Watson, I understand all the speculation about the off-the-field stuff, but people forget on the field, he told the Texans, I don't want to play for you guys anymore. Like that has, we, we forgot outside, <laughs> we forgot because of his off the field stuff, how poorly off the field the Texans were, not just on the field, but off the field. Look, just look at all the players that they got rid of whom are playing and, and really doing well and on other teams. So there's just, there's a lot more leverage by players. And, and I think, I think it's because of like people like you guys, now that you have outlets, um, you're not conventional journalists. You're going to tell the story as the player tell it. You, you, you don't have to follow to the T because you want to make sure you're on the beat with the team. The teams used to control all the narratives with the media. And now players have their own outlets with social media and all of, all of the stuff that we have. And you can get your story out. I think you nailed it about, you know, all of this stuff starting with the Rams, right? And and Les Need coming out with the FM draft pick shirt and stuff like that. You, <laughs> as a former Ram, how, how do you experience, you know, the team moving to Los Angeles and then reaching such high highs, right? So is it is it bittersweet that your Rams win a ring even though it didn't happen in St. Louis? Hey, you know, last time I checked, it's not your first name, it's your last name. You know, that's, that's where your lineage lie. Uh, and um, and I, I, I love the city of St. Louis. Uh, I, I will forever be indebted to them. I think it's a great sports town. Um, and, and, and I think Mr. Cranky had a business decision to make. You know, it's like it's like you could be a big fish in a little pond or you could be a big fish in a, in a big ocean like the Pacific. And he and, and, and they came to L.A. With, with high hopes, a lot of big dreams. And think about what they've done. You know, think about what they've done. They, they literally, if you've, if you've been, if you've been to the stadium, it is mind blowing. The, the pitchers doing Super Bowl does not do it justice to see a, a, it's basically an outdoor stadium with a canopy top on it and all the luxuries, all the bells and whistles that you could ever imagine. Um, and, and then put a winning team in there. Oh, not just a winning team, a team wins the Super Bowl in its own stadium. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like th- these things don't happen um, unless you have a vision and, 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 and Stan Kroenke is really a visionary. And I know they hate him in St. Louis. He's a, he's a St. Louis boy, like local Missouri boy. And, and what business is business. And we, we all know that's what sports is. And so there's no bittersweet here. Like I was, listen, I was there cheering. I'm going to continue to cheer. Um, you know, I, I, I root them on regardless of what city that they're in. Marshall and, I regard you personally as like one of the greatest all around offensive players in NFL history. And I I can't leave this interview without asking you about the incredible season that Cooper cup just put together, like on the, like 
on the list of remarkable seasons you've seen from an individual player, like where does that rank uh, just in terms of what he did regular season and then to have the insane postseason that he had capping it off with the Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say one of the all time great seasons to watch what he did and understand the rules are different and they play one more game. But I, I don't want to get into that. I just want to talk about the accountability and his availability and 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 and. His ability to be there for Matthew Stafford. And people don't really understand. Um, you bring in the Odell Beckham. Uh, is that going to be a little distraction? Not the Cooper Cup. You lose a Robert Wood. Is that going to be a, not the Cooper Cup? <laughs> you, you, you lose, you lose your, your star tight end. Not, it doesn't bother Cup. It, I mean, in, in the biggest game of the year, you lose your number two receiver and Odell Beckham. It doesn't bother Cooper Cup. It's just, it, it's remarkable what he was able to do with people understanding and knowing, knowing this is where Matthew Stafford is going with the ball. If, if, if you think about the last two drives, um, literally the last two drives, he was the only option that they could go through, that they could go to on the last two drives. And literally they went to him and they couldn't do anything about it. That's just making sure at the, at the biggest moments, on the biggest stage, that not just, not, not, not just that your ability is there, but your availability is there. and he was available for Matthew Stafford and he got open. So let's, let's give him his props. Let's, let's stop talking about all the other stuff. Um, is he Jerry Rice? No, maybe not. He's not Randy Moss. No, that's what he is. He's Cooper Cup playing in this league that we're watching. And that season was one of the best seasons. I'm not just talking about by a, by a wide receiver. I'm talking about by a football player, period, what he did. I want to touch back on a topic you already talked about, which was, you know, quarterbacks have just so much power right now. Um, the big story, I think, that's hit recently outside of uh, the, the Tom Brady Miami stuff, whatever's going to come out with that, is, you know, Kyler Murray in general um, being interested in getting a long-term extension right now. The reports just came out that, you know, he just pulled off their uh, contract offer that they initially gave the team um, after two weeks. From your perspective, right, as a former player, do you understand where he's coming from? Because I think a lot of people see kind of the quarterback market and they just look at it and say, it's always going up. So why are you in a rush to get this done now, right? Why, why are you trying to get this done now instead of waiting after, you know, you play on your fifth-year option or something like that? Do you understand the rush yeah. to get a deal done in the immediate? Yeah, I, I see both sides. and. um uh, from Kyla Murray's perspective, it's, it's about respect. And it's about, it's about what I've done. The Cardinals, they forgot what they had before him, which is nothing. All right. It, it, it's easy. It's easy to say where you are not, but you forget where you were before he got there. And so sometimes guys need to be a little rewarded a little bit. And he's saying, listen, show me that, that, that I mean something to you. Now the Cardinals are saying this. This is our last stance with you. If we give you this money, we lose all control. So both sides, they're at a stalemate. And someone, someone has to drop down to the knee and ask to, ask to marry and, and not hold a hand out waiting to be married. Somebody got to drop down on the knee. And, and that's how it is. <laughs> and that's, that's literally, and, and then this marriage is going to be, we're going to forget this ever happened and they'll be happily ever after. But Right now, neither one wants to take the knee and say who's going to be doing the asking and who's going to be answering. And that's literally where this is because they don't have another option. Marshall, I think this is my favorite analogy that I've heard in the situation so far. So I want to thank you for that. I'm going to walk away uh, with that imparted wisdom. It makes sense, right? It it really does. But you know what? Sometimes like while you're waiting, uh, you're waiting and you're waiting. And then sometimes you end up without the ring because you're both just yeah. in that stalemate. And it's never a fun situation for us because like as good, you know, football fans, we want to watch good football. Uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals are fun to watch, but it is it's it's interesting to hear about that dynamic from a former player's perspective, because it is, it's so much about this, uh, this respect and creating a relationship that you can have with a franchise long-term and, and be with that city. Cause it, I have to imagine that, you know, especially after he, you know, issued that big statement, that initial statement where 
Uh, you could tell he was feeling a little snubbed. They immediately issued those contracts uh, to extend their head coach, their GM. So yep. that had to sting a little bit. Yeah. Oh no, he's in his feelings. But here's the thing, and this is and this is what us as players we 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 fall victim to this, and 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 because of not just the media but social media, when you say something as a player, it's you. When something comes out of from them, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Who is it really? <laughs> See, it's the, and they can and they can always say, uh, "Oh, it was the head coach, it was the owner, it was the GM. Who was it? We don't know. It was the assistant GM. But when it comes from his camp, we know it's Kyler Murray. So you got to make sure you, you always have to be careful with that. Always have to be careful with that. And right now, he's a he's a young man in his feelings. And um, uh, I, I hope somebody put their arm around him and, and remind him, like, hey, this this team was here before you, and they're going to be here after you. But hopefully we see Kyler Murray get paid by the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, man. Listen, here's the reality to it. If they don't, someone will. Yes. He, has, he has 31 other teams that, that, that he has as options to pay him. It is not the type of system to where he is stuck there. And as, as Kate was saying, let's say no one asks. The ring isn't given. Kyler goes somewhere else and maybe the Cardinals don't have a quarterback and neither one of them get a ring at any point in time of his career. Would you have liked to play in this sort of uh, environment where everything is so public like this uh, in the back and forth and you can issue your statements on social media? Because it's got to be such a different time from, from I, back I think, in your day. I think to a degree, I, I, I say yes this this is this is this is life, right? I'm like, yes, when it's things I want to get out. No, when it's things they want to get out. <laughs> when it when it's for me, I want all the access. When it's not for me, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? That's how we want it. That's how we want. I love it. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, please make sure if you happen to travel to San Diego or if you're in the San Diego area, you go check out their brand new state of the art stadium, Snapdragon stadium. As soon as it opens, all kinds of fantastic celebratory things to celebrate their hundredth football season there at San Diego state. Marshall, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sitting down with us. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. 
That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kate Magic of DK Nation. Hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Marshall Falk. It's just me and Kate the rest of the way on today's episode, but... As has been the theme over the last couple of weeks, we continue our divisional breakdown. And on today's show, we are getting into the AFC North and the NFC North. Kate, we begin with the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. They've got the first round pick at number 31, but they've already made a lot of additions to their roster, specifically along the offensive line. So, How do we feel about the Bengals heading into the NFL draft and heading into next season in what is now an absolutely stacked AFC? I I mean, the Bengals are, of course, the team to talk about. I I have to imagine that uh, Bengals fans are so excited. They've probably been the most excited team to ever pick at 31, like because it just means you had such a great season last year. They're probably still rejoicing about that. But, you know, I, I think when you look at this roster from the like an overall standpoint, I think they're a pretty complete roster on offense, especially with the, uh, you know, some of these offensive line moves they've made. uh, I mean, just absolutely key after the way we saw Joe Burrow take sack after stack last season um, going through the playoffs. So I do think that this is going to be a defensive pick. I'm not really sure. Again, like a lot of the teams we talked about last week, Steven, I'm not sure there's a lot of, Uh, There's really many moves that they could make at 31 that would pivot the table at all for the fantasy assets we already have in play or, you know, anything like that. I think they've got to go defense and they were already a pretty great surprise on defense last season. Yeah, I think for the Bengals, it's like you look at that offense and you say, what did they need to do to get better last season? And it's just like improve the offensive line. And, And they've already done that as much as they can in free agency. So maybe it's, you know, add another piece on along the offensive line, try to add some depth, but at 31, like those top end tackles are just aren't going to be there. And so I would have to imagine they go defense. Like they could use another pass rusher. Probably, you know, they have Trey Hendrickson uh, and Sam Hubbard is an okay pass rusher, but you can always add more depth there. But I, I think it would be fun if, they if one of these top end wide receivers or something falls and Cincinnati just says, screw it, let, let's just keep adding weapons for Joe Burrow, because you know, Tyler Boyd is somebody that could wind up moving on here in the near future. They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase and T Higgins at some point if they want to keep those guys around. And we see how expensive wide receivers are now. So maybe this is a, an opportunity for them to just continue to add weapons for Joe Burrow. I'm not against that, but it, it seems like the logical thing would be to go defense for the Bengals. Yeah. I don't think any of us would have said that maybe outside of offensive line, uh, that offense was the issue last year and and why they didn't come up with the win in the Super Bowl. Uh, they just, they were a young team. I think they've got all the playmakers in place, but you know, even if they added, uh, let's say a wide receiver, even for fantasy football purposes, you have to be concerned. Uh, we definitely saw, you know, the, the downplay of the role of Tyler Boyd. Once we got Jamar chase in this offense, we got a healthy T Higgins. So I I think regardless, no matter what, you've got to be a little skittish, even if they come out with a, a new weapon for Joe Burrow, I think that's better for Joe Burrow. Uh, than it is maybe a weapon that we're ever going to want in fantasy football, whether that be for dynasty um, or or DFS or, or what have you. And they did lose CJ Uzama who had a very nice season in this offense last, last year. So I I mean, maybe they look at tight end, but that feels a little early in the first round. So I I don't think they're going to take a tight end at number 31. So it, it feels like, a depth pick for the Cincinnati Bengals, but with their free agency spending and the way they've beefed up that offensive line, adding a uh, tackle like Lael Collins and adding some depth along the interior of the offensive line, the Bengals are in a really nice spot in, in what's going to be a really competitive conference. So I like what they're doing there. And I, I think they're going to have a lot of options at number 31, but moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've got the, number 20 overall pick in the first round. And and Kate, I know this is your squad. They got Mitch Trubisky. They 
in most mock drafts, everyone basically has them picking a quarterback is like a guy who can sit behind Trubisky and, and learn. And, and Trubisky is expected to be the starter next season. He's got a two year contract, uh, nothing that they can't get out of here pretty quick. But are, are you confident as a Steelers fan that this is for sure where they're going to find Big Ben's successor? Or is there another direction they should go to try to stay afloat over the next season and get to next year's draft? So, I mean, I think they seem pretty dead set on the quarterback position. The question mark is just going to be which of these fall to the Steelers. Uh, like, what do the Panthers do at quarterback? Because obviously they've been the team that I think most people are mocking to take the first quarterback. I, I think a lot of what the Steelers do is going to be in response to that move. Do we see the Atlanta Falcons take a quarterback? But you know what? They still have needs on the offensive line. So if they don't feel confident about these picks uh, and that, you know, they don't feel confident that this could be the next successor, I think maybe they should consider offensive line, depending on who falls, depending on what's available at that point. It's something that I think I, you know, I would not be upset if they walked away with an offensive line piece uh, in the first round. Because you know what? Even if uh, you know you you have Mitch Trubisky behind that offensive line, I think he's going to be decent enough to hold up. I you know I, the offensive line is going to be key to everything you do in the future, especially you know in getting your run game going. Saw a lot of great things from Najee Harris last year, but I, again, would not be upset whatsoever to see them take an offensive lineman. But you know what the nice thing is, Stephen, is even if you don't think you're getting necessarily like the next Ben Roethlisberger, you're not, you're not using that top end draft capital. You're not trading up to the top five picks. I I feel like the Steelers are going to just kind of sit back at 20. And if you get even a mid range quarterback or, you know, a, a bridge quarterback for a couple of years who can keep you in contention, but isn't Ben Roethlisberger, I still think that's a pretty solid thing to to have in your arsenal. I actually really like Desmond Ritter at, at 20 for the Steelers. And, and maybe that's high based on the way people are evaluating him. Uh, I, I know he's somebody that uh, we've talked about a lot on the Wednesday show with Justice, and Justice thinks that he is probably the top quarterback in this class. I, I, I'd be really intrigued if they decided to go there. They did lose Juju Smith-Schuster, so they don't have they they have a hole there at wide receiver. But the Steelers have traditionally been pretty successful at finding wide receivers in, in the middle round. So, I, unless one of the top end guys falls there at twenty, I wouldn't expect them to take a wide receiver. But even with Mitch Trubisky, I think you should beef up the offensive line. I think that's smart. But I would be really intrigued if they decided to pick Desmond Ritter here. It's the Steelers are are interesting next season because they've got a lot of fantasy viable assets in Najee Harris and second year tight end, Pat Fryermuth, who I think is an absolute stud. And then chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Like I, I'm just curious to see where Pittsburgh goes because this is the first time in forever that like they don't have big Ben and they've got to figure things out moving forward. I mean, it's going to be a totally different look. This is going to be a, I think this is kind of like that point of infinite possibilities and it, it's going to be interesting, but you know what I think is really fun, regardless of what the Steelers decide to do at 20. Uh, I think this is a, a team that could be producing for fantasy. Uh, you know, you've got plenty of, of assets that I think are going to benefit from Trubisky. Like we, we saw plenty of fantasy production in this offense when it was stale and stagnant with Ben Roethlisberger. So no matter what they do at 20, I think it, you know, this is going to be a very viable offense for fantasy football specifically. So offensive line or Desmond Ritter, I, I, I think is I'm where, in. Yeah, is where we've right. settled for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Perfect. Uh, moving on to the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, obviously huge trade for Deshaun Watson, also traded for Amari Cooper. Uh, we still await whether or not the NFL is going to suspend Deshaun Watson, which would mean that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starter uh, to begin the season, at least until Watson is available for the Cleveland Browns. 
Uh, they don't have a first round pick because of that trade. They've got the number 44 overall pick in the second round. And this is a team that just doesn't have a lot of holes. Like they need another wide receiver. They could probably use another edge rusher. You know, obviously miles Garrett's going to make anybody better. I think that's why Jadavian Clowney's coming off like a career high in sacks. Uh, but they need another edge rusher. They need another defensive tackle. They need another wide receiver. But I, I think that Cleveland is set up to kind of succeed day one with this roster, the way that it is currently built. But they're still going to be, if Deshaun Watson is their starting quarterback to begin the year, they're, they're, they're going to be a high-powered offense, I would have to imagine. So maybe they look at offensive weapons there in the second round. I think that's kind of an interesting spot too, uh, to be number 44, especially in this specific draft class where there is a lot of depth at the wide receiver position in general. I think the one uh, name that is popping out to me right now at number 44, which uh, a prospect that has been kind of mocked all over the board, Christian Watson uh, at a North Dakota state you know, a, a very fast guy that can take the top off isn't necessarily a, uh, a solid weapon yet, but again, just helps you uh, alleviate some of that pressure around the line and gives Deshaun Watson a guy that can easily take one to the house. If he beats out some of these DBs with the speed, um, not necessarily like a super strong wide receiver, but uh, just, you know, is, is tall is fast. I feel like, you know, maybe could fit, uh, not necessarily like a, a Will Fuller type, but just just interesting. Uh, it could be an interesting fit, and he's a guy that I think could fall to this range. Um, but I think you know, if if something falls to forty four, I I would not hate a wide receiver for them. Yeah. They, they do still have, like, do we have any faith in, in Donovan Peoples Jones? Uh, no. you know, <laughs> nope, none at all. Um, <laughs> you know, he was somebody that I really liked last season when it seemed like he was finally going to get an opportunity to like get a ton of targets, and it just didn't really happen. Like, he's just is kind of this deep threat that hasn't really manifested into anything else, but. With Austin Hooper leaving, like, do we, are we any more confident in David and Joku like having a big season? Like, is he a sleeper tight end after they committed some money to him? I absolutely love David and Joku uh, this year. It seems like, you know, I'm not really sure what took them so long to make this commitment to David and Joku because you know they they gave Austin Hooper all this money, and then it was kind of like as soon as David and Joku said, like, yo, if if I'm not going to get these opportunities here. Let me go elsewhere. And as soon as he said that, they're like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Like they, they changed their minds. The Browns are just playing these little games of, uh, you know, these little mind games, uh, you know, in terms of wanting and uh, wanting something else. And, you know, kind of like they did with Baker Mayfield. They, the, the grass is always greener until something wants to walk away. All just kinds of drama with the Browns. My God. But I, I think that there is absolutely something to be said with the fact that they finally showed mutual interest and there's going to be some targets on the plate for him. We saw Deshaun Watson be successful with tight ends like Darren Fells and Jordan Akins. This is by far the best tight end that we've ever seen Deshaun Watson share a field with. He's a freak athlete. I think you know, we're, we're in a spot right now that I I'm, I'm very much into David and Joku. And I think we could see his draft stock fly up the board, the closer we get to the 2022 season. Yeah. The Browns are an interesting team here in the second round. And, you know, a, as an organization that, you know, it has been kind of a dumpster fire. Like they have had pretty good drafts over the last few years and their defense should be really good. So everything's setting up for the Cleveland Browns to, to be a really good team. So we'll see where they go in the second round. But I do think adding another offensive weapon, there would be a good move for them. The Baltimore Ravens have the number 14 overall pick in the first round. They've got some holes, but the Ravens, are actually, in my opinion, one of the most interesting teams heading into next season because we talk about all these teams that, you know, the Broncos, the Browns, what the Chargers have done, what the Raiders have done. Like we talk about all these teams in the AFC that have loaded up 
to try to go win and this arms race that's going on right now in that conference. And I think the Ravens are being overlooked here. I still think the Ravens are a really, really good football team who just had insane injury luck last year. And, you know, at 14, there's going to be some of the uh, more top end edge rushers available. And after, especially after that Zadarius Smith deal fell apart, but would it be shocking if they decided to continue to try to add to that offense for Lamar Jackson? Because I, I don't know how you, how you feel about their pass catchers, but they've lacked some consistency there over the last couple of years. And with the running backs, it seems like no matter what, no matter how talented they are, they're always going to use a, a running back by committee style of approach. And J.K. Dobbins is a player that I really like, but he's coming off the ACL. Like, I, I think the Ravens are going to be highly interested, maybe not in the first round for a running back, but still adding pieces to this offense. It might be a surprise uh, at number 14 and later in the draft. Um. Yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting uh, spot for the – Ravens, especially when we're considering the fact that, uh, you know, headlining some of the news this week, or maybe not headlining, because I feel like this was like not being talked about quite enough, is the fact that the Ravens just had Melvin Gordon in for a visit, which I, I think he's, you know, after the season he's had, he's going to, you know, garnish a decent contract, maybe not top end money, but you got two running backs coming off of torn ACLs. We haven't really heard much, uh, if anything, about their rehab process and whether or not they're really going to be on track to be 100% at the start of the season. So I think uh, we've got to be on the the alert here that you know maybe the Ravens don't take a uh, running back necessarily in the first round, but I think they could take one in the second. And you know, with these running backs on the board, like I would not be surprised at all if a uh, Kenneth Gainwell or a, a Kenneth Walker fell to the Ravens in the second round. I could easily see that happening. But I guess I wonder, you know, you have Rashad Bateman who was injured a lot last year. Is there any better way to utilize that that number 14th overall pick? I think so. Um, but Again, probably wouldn't surprise me if they they fell in love with one of these wide receivers. And, and but I mean, you've got you've got Mark Andrews there, who's like the biggest wide receiver of them all, uh, Mister Solid Tight End. I I don't think they should make the move in the first round, but second round, I I would you know I would flag them for a running back a hundred percent. I do think that. There is something to be said that the Ravens have had a lot of success finding edge rushers like in the mid to late rounds, which is weird because NFL teams generally can't find edge help in those rounds. But the Ravens continue to do it like Matthew Judon, Zadarius Smith, uh, like Pernell McPhee, like those guys were all like mid to late round picks. They brought back Calais Campbell and, and they still have Adafi Owe, their first round pick from last year, who looked like a really promising rookie. But it is probably more likely that they go edge at number 14. I, I'm just a fantasy football optimist, and, and <laughs> I want to see teams that have the ability of scoring a lot of points just continue to add mouths to feed so we just see them score a million points. That's that's really where I'm at with the Ravens. Just, just give Lamar Jackson as many options as he can get because I think this is a legitimate contender in the AFC that's being overlooked right now. Yeah, for sure. Um I hate being a Steelers fan right now. Just FYI in this AFC North, I'm sweating. It's a tough division and it's everybody. I, I have to imagine you're AFC. feeling the same way. You're feeling the same way with the Kansas city chiefs and the AFC West. So we're both, uh, we're, we're both in some stiff competition here. Uh, you know, Although I, I would say the Chiefs are in a much better place to take over that competition than my Pittsburgh Steelers. So congratulations. I don't know. Maybe they just get the best out of Mitch next year. He just just turns it on and takes it to another level that we didn't know Mitch Trubisky was capable of. I, I Again, I, I, I'm optimistic because I've got a lot of Deontay Johnson shares in Dynasty. So I, I need Mitch to uh, feed my guy. Uh, moving on to the NFC North. We begin with the Green Bay Packers. 
They've got a ton of needs. And obviously, uh, Justice, our, our resident Acme Packing Co. member, has talked a ton uh, about what the Packers need to do. They've got two first-round picks at 22 and 28. They've got a lot of needs, but I, I think they could address those needs in this first round. They need an offensive tackle. They obviously need a wide receiver, though they did just add Sammy Watkins yesterday. Uh, they need another edge rusher. They, they, they need another defensive tackle. Like, There's a lot of ways the Packers could go with these two picks in the first round, but is there any chance, Kate, if the Packers don't take a wide receiver in the first round, like Packers fans are going to riot, right? Like they're going to yes. freak out after you trade Devonte Adams and you get two first round picks and then you decide not to take a wide receiver in the first round, which would be very on brand for the Packers. Oh, it would be so on brand. They should, they, you know, maybe they'll walk away with two quarterbacks here with these first two picks. Like that seems like it's more on brand uh, for the Packers, but yes, I do think the fans are going to riot and, you know, again, I keep going back to the fact that this is a really nice wide receiver class where you don't necessarily have a Jamar Chase, but, you know, at 22, you're probably going to have some options there in terms of which of these wide receivers fall. If you want to package these two together and trade up for one of these, you know, top end guys, I'm a big Drake London fan. I know there are plenty of questions about his, uh, his, just overall how his game's going to translate. Is he just a contested catch machine or can he do more? Um, but like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, who are really pretty polished prospects. Um, I, you know, I think that these two picks, you might have to, to put a little package together to move up and secure those guys. But I think wide receiver is an absolute must, uh, especially with the money that you just paid Aaron Rodgers. Don't put that money to waste. Do not you know, make, make the investment, make the jump. Yeah. It, it's hard to imagine them not going wide receiver, but I, I just think to all these years of being like, get Aaron Rodgers more weapons. Like you can't just be Devonte Adams. You got to get him more weapons. And then they just kept not getting him more weapons. And you know, they have second year wide receiver, Amari Rodgers, who they drafted last year, but he couldn't even get on the field last year. And he wound up becoming like a liability on special teams. And so they just stopped using him. So I don't think you can bet, bet on him having an impact. Like they have to take a wide receiver. You've got to get Aaron Rodgers, somebody to throw the ball to like it's the, the Sammy Watkins signing. It, it doesn't really mean anything to me. We've seen Sammy with opportunities with the chiefs and the Ravens last year, like Sammy Watkins still a, a fine NFL wide receiver, but he's just not a number one guy. Like that's just not who he is in his NFL career. So I don't think the Packers can leave the first round without a wide receiver. They have to do it. And, and if Aaron, like if Aaron's got any more control, like he kind of says he does and he's got the extension, like Aaron's got to be like, I swear if you guys leave this first <laughs> round without a pass catcher, I'm going to retire. Like just threaten to retire if they don't take a wide receiver for you. Yeah, I feel like maybe there's a clause in his contract somewhere. Like, if wide receiver is not drafted in the first round, I get an extra bazillion dollars in my contract for playing through this garbage. Like, I I don't know. If I were his agent, I would have thrown something like that in there. But that's just me. I do enjoy chaos, though, and I would like to see the, the Packers. You just want to see the world burn. <laughs> I would like to see the Packers' uh, Twitter meltdown if they don't take a wide receiver in the first round. <laughs> that would be entertaining. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they've got a lot of needs. Their first their first pick comes at number 12 overall in the first round. Uh, they did acquire Zadarius Smith. So they've they've got another edge rusher to to pair with Daniil Hunter. But they could still use another edge the way they like to utilize those guys and, and move them around, even though they do have a new head coach. You're expecting that kind of defensive system to be in place there. You would expect them at number 12 to go defense because like it was a staple for those Mike Zimmer teams forever to you know, be defensive minded, draft defensive players and stack up on talent on that side of the ball. But with a new regime in place, I don't know if we can totally guarantee that they're going to go defense at number 12, even though that is probably the biggest need on the team. With the wide receiver run and, and what these guys are costing, and you know, I know they just reworked Adam Thielen's deal to to free up some money, and, and they want to keep him in place there. But at 31 years old, you have a superstar in Justin Jefferson, you have a superstar in Dalvin Cook, and then it's Adam Thielen, and then like, oh, ho you hope 
Irv Smith Jr. comes back healthy, who's an intriguing like tight end prospect. But other than that, like, should they look at another wide receiver, another offensive weapon? Like, I, I think the Minnesota Vikings could do that and shock some people at number 12. I mean, it it wouldn't shock me at this point, especially with Adam Thielen sort of on that cusp of, you know, the end of his career. I'm not saying it's over by any means, but, you know, he's he's had some injuries that he's dealt with. Maybe, maybe. I don't think it'd be the smartest move, but I mean, looking at what Kevin O'Connell did in his last two seasons with the Rams, ranked uh, 10th in, in pass attempts last year, fifth in passing yards, you know, season before, even with Jared Goff, still ranked 12th in pass attempts, 13th in passing yards. This is a passing first kind of coach. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to have an interesting, interesting sort of dynamic, uh, seeing how he's going to manage this team. Cause you know, even two years ago, he did, he did commit to the run a bit more, um, Last year, did he sway away from the run because he had a quarterback that he could work with? And I think Kirk Cousins is a quarterback he can work with. Or did he sway away from that run because of the injuries at the position and that lack of consistency? It's it's going to be a really interesting season to see how Kevin O'Connell wants to build this team. But, um, you know, if he does want to get back to the run, they've got really good assets to do it. Uh, you know, I think Adam Thielen's going to be good enough this year. I think Justin Jefferson, you know, helps every cause in, in the world for your passing offense. I, I think they can stand pat. I apparently I just don't want any of these teams to take wide receivers. I want to I, I just want them to kick back and, uh, you know, fill out some other needs, uh, you know, specifically for the Vikings on defense. But I mean, I guess if you're looking towards the future, this is, you know, this is a pretty good wide receiver class and you're going to probably have your pick of the wide receivers at 12. If that's the, that's the area you want to go. Yeah. I, I think similarly to the Ravens, like in that, once you get outside the top 10, that, that 12 to 14 range could be interesting where, you know, if, if some of these edge rushers fall more than people believe they're going to, or one of those defensive tackles falls, I think those are guys that are obviously going to be uh, players that those teams consider. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they just said, "Screw it, we're go- we're we're building on offense now. This is what we're doing." And the Vikings are, are just intriguing. And again, Justin Jefferson is the alpha wide receiver there. He is absolutely incredible, but. I don't think you can ever go wrong just trying to add more weapons. And again, we saw how expensive wide receivers are getting right now. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see a a slight shift in this draft with like a a run of wide receivers even earlier than we think, just because teams are like, well, I can get this guy for $3 million a season, or I can get a wide receiver for $22 million a season. Okay. I'm going to take this guy instead. And that's what, you know, Justin Jefferson is going to command here in another year. So uh, it's interesting. I think the Vikings are are an interesting team at at number 12. Um, A a team that I don't find interesting and (laughs) and that I'm struggling to figure out what they're even doing this offseason is the Chicago Bears. They've got a laundry list of needs. Uh, Their offensive line was terrible last year. I, I know the coaching situation was terrible and it didn't set up Justin Fields for success in any way. Uh, They've lost a lot of key members on their defense that were kind of staples of that Bears defense for several years, including Khalil Mack, defensive tackle Eddie Goldman, uh, Akeem Hicks is gone. Like those are cornerstones of that defense that they had kind of built that thing around for several years in Chicago. And their first round pick doesn't come until uh, number 39 in the second round because they traded up for Justin Fields last year. My problem here is that they have done absolutely nothing this offseason to improve the situation for Justin Fields. Like it's it's worse than it was last year. And I mean, I, I think that Darnell Mooney is gonna be a really good wide receiver, but I am worried for Justin Fields right now. Yeah, I mean the the players that we can conceivably, you know, dole out targets to at this point, it's Darnell Mooney, it's Cole Komet, who saw plenty of targets last year, by the way, just was incredibly incredibly inefficient with those targets um and what david montgomery um that's that's kind of where we're at and those are the 
literal three weapons we have to work with in this space. I mean, the bears are kind of in a tough spot, not even kind of, they're in a very tough spot. It feels like they're in this sort of catch 22 where they, they need draft picks to, uh, you know, round out their team, get some, some playmakers around this young quarterback, but they've traded all of those draft picks to go up and get their quarterback. So this is just kind of like this dysfunctional aspect of the bears right now and what, what they've created over the last couple of years. Yes. The coaching situation is improved, but um, I don't know what necessarily they'll be able to like it because their needs are so widespread. I don't even know where you start in round two. They needed to be more aggressive in in free agency. There were a lot of wide receivers that I think could have made a splash in Chicago for your young quarterback who you, uh, you know, again, are in this situation because you traded up to get them. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing. It, Bears fans, help me really just help me understand, please. It's you know, this off season, new general manager and Ryan Poles who came from Kansas city and defensive minded head coach at Matt Eberflus. It just feels like they're committing to, this is just a total rebuild. Like we got, we got to undo everything that Ryan Pace did. And that sucks because I think that Justin Fields has a chance to be a really good player. And, and we saw flashes of it last year. And it was just such a terrible situation for him in Chicago where it felt like Matt Nagy was going out of his way to like put him in bad situations and, and run an offense that didn't really cater to what Justin Fields has a chance of being really good at. Like this is a, a quarterback who has like legit electric playmaking ability with his legs. And he is also not afraid to just launch the football down the field. Like that's a guy that you can build around. And I want to see the bears do that, but it feels like we're a year away and maybe they are just kind of cleaning up the mess that Ryan pace made, but it really sucks for Justin Fields <laughs> this season and moving forward. Like, I think this is just going to be, a bad draft where they're just committed to like, okay, we're just going to be one of the worst teams in football next year. Cause that's what they're shaping up to be right now. I, I mean, you're not setting your young quarterback up for any sort of success. I do worry a little bit that, you know, having two consecutive seasons, like I, I don't think this season's going to be much better for Justin Fields, but what does that do for the confidence of a young quarterback when you presumably have, you know, for season one, uh, had just around a 59% completion rate, um, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I have to wonder what that does for your confidence as a quarterback. And especially if you have this kind of situation two years in a row, do you see, you know, like the, the kind of Josh Rosen dynamic where you don't necessarily put the playmakers around, but uh, and and you just destroy this young man's confidence and that changes the trajectory of his NFL career. I hope not. But uh, I, I think Justin Fields is a much better quarterback than uh, Josh Rosen, just to be clear. But you always wonder, like, when they get off on the wrong foot in their careers, not necessarily because of uh, what they've done on the field, but maybe some of the surrounding circumstances I always wonder how this is going to impact these players long term. And I don't think that the, you know, the bears aren't, aren't doing anything to help. And I have to imagine that Justin Fields has mowed like, and you know how they have crop circles. Like he has a crop circle that says like SOS <laughs> <laughs> save me. And uh, you know, I don't know. Hopefully there's, there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel for this kid. Cause he's got all the traits. He's got all the talent. Yeah, I, I think if you're a Bears fan, pretty much what you're hoping for next season is that like we're going to be bad, but hopefully the new coaches are just going to put him in a better position to succeed. So even if you're a bad football team and you lose a lot of games, you still hopefully see improvement from him overall and, and the Bears at least like making an effort to give him a chance to succeed because it it's so frustrating in the NFL when you, you see players that you're like, that dude's good. Like that dude's got legitimate superstar potential and, and he's just in such a bad situation. And 
it's I, I would argue that the Justin Fields flashes last season were even better than like the Trevor Lawrence flashes. Like when he showed flashes, yes. you were like that dude, that dude has legitimate potential to be something special. And, and they're just they're just fumbling it right now. They're just fumbling every aspect of it. I mean, maybe you're going to be drafting Justin Fields in PPR leagues because he's going to have to catch the ball <laughs> at this rate. Um, yeah. PPR QB one. <laughs> yeah. Just turn him. Yeah. He's just going to play like three different positions. Like <laughs> they're just going to use him as a running back sometimes wide receiver, tight end, whatever, whatever they got to do. Just, just get the ball in his hands because I, yes. I think he's incredible. He's the best shot. Our final team, the Detroit lions and the lions are really interesting in this draft. They've got the number two overall pick and then they've got number 32 at the back end of the first round. Obviously, team with a a lot of holes. Um, But I I still think, you know, even though they only won a couple of games, they're a team that even performed above expectation by winning a couple of games. Because when you look at their roster last year, it was one of the worst rosters in football. And you just didn't expect much out of Jared Goff. But Dan Campbell looks like he is a fun head coach that players really want to play for. And I think he got the absolute most out of that roster that he could last year. So while they've got a, a ton of needs, I, I think that if the Lions decided we really love Malik Willis and we're willing to take him at number two and just sit him behind Jared Goff for uh, a year, um, I think that that could shape the, the what happens like the rest of the way. Like te- teams are really hoping that the Lions, I think, take Malik Willis at number two because I think it's going to change the way they approach how they take some players as we move further into the draft. So the Lions, I feel like even if they wanted or if they really wanted to like trade back, I, I think that they could still do that at number two. I-, I think the Lions have a lot of control in this upcoming draft. They do. They feel like the like biggest domino uh, in this this draft that can set off sort of a, an entire cascade of events. I don't think like, I I never bought the idea that they were going to take a quarterback at two. Maybe they, they uh, leveraged that in a situation for a team that is quarterback needy and say like, Hey, Panthers come up and get them. You want them, you want them your guy. Like we're talking to the Steelers on the other line right now. Like maybe you should trade up to two. Maybe they leverage that situation there, but I could actually picture them taking a quarterback at 32. You don't have to move up necessarily. We're not really sure how many of these quarterbacks are going to go off the board in round one. I feel like every single mock draft that I see, it's something completely different. It's either five quarterbacks in round one, zero quarterbacks in round one. I just think the range of outcomes is pretty wide with this specific draft class. So you know what? See who falls to you at 32. You have a quarterback that you didn't need to trade up for. You didn't need to to waste any draft capital there, but you still have that fifth-year option in place. I think that is the right move there where you don't have to necessarily commit, um, you know, to like drafting a quarterback at number two for this kind of class where we're not really even sure who who the QB one is. It feels uh, like a, a significant investment that, the chances of it panning out are just not, not significant. So I, I think the the move is to take a, a you know, a, a defensive player at two, whoever it be that that falls there, and then just make the the quarterback move at thirty two, and you know you have a, an extra year security there with the fifth year option. I agree. That's the smart thing to do. <laughs> but we are talking about the Lions, and I feel like after Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl, that there could be some pressure also from Lions ownership. Like we got to get a quarterback now. We got to we got to draft a quarterback now because we can't we can't have this lingering over us forever. That we're the we're the franchise where quarterbacks go to die, and then Matthew Stafford leaves and goes and wins a Super Bowl, even though they are like they have to have some self awareness. Like they have to know that that's the franchise that they are in Detroit, but. I, I think that they have a lot of power. I, I would be I would be really surprised if they took Malik Willis at number two. I would I would argue that it's probably more likely that they trade back, but do try to like leverage that. Like we want Malik Willis, but we'd rather take him at eight or something instead of two and see what you can get for him. I think that would be the smart thing to do, but it's also the Lions. So I, I don't think we can ever have faith that they're gonna do the smart thing. Yeah, I I mean it- 
really when we're talking about any NFL team, I feel like we can never always project the smart thing. It's just not projecting that NFL teams and, and front offices will do the smart thing is not a smart thing to do, quite frankly. Yeah. And as we see every single year, uh, the draft never goes the way that it's supposed to, um, you know, based on everybody's evaluations and, and mock drafts and film write-ups and scouting reports. And you're like, what, wait, what, why did this team just take this guy at, at number 11? Like that there's always picks like that in the NFL draft. So we're getting closer. Uh, we've only got a couple of weeks. It, it, it's, it's coming and, and we're very excited for the NFL draft. So Thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL Reacts. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. And make sure you're locked in right here because we've got tons of fantastic draft coverage, uh, especially coming up on draft week. We are going to be busy and we are going to be cranking out the content for you guys because it's all about you guys and making sure you, you get everything you can out of the NFL draft. You can follow Kate at FFBallBlast on Twitter. You can follow me at Steve Serta. Thank you guys so much. We will talk to you next week. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, the Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.